Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are here on Zoom today, and we have a very interesting topic for you. This is Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented, of course, by SAP. If you're keeping track, this is Season 6, one of our longest-running, most popular series, and why not? So as I always say, if you want to run with the Game Changers, you came to the right place because this is where the best run. And you'll find out in a few minutes from my wonderful panelists. So let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a topic from a website I can hardly pronounce. It's c-tel-e.eu. Let me just read the quote and then I'll tell you a little more. So marketing has always been about connecting with your audience in the right place at the right time. That's a basic. Today, that means you need to meet them where they're already spending time got to be on the internet. That's what digital selling is. So welcome to digital marketing, where businesses leverage digital channels, including search engines, social media. This is not breaking news. You all know this, but we're putting it all together for you. Email and businesses websites to connect with current and prospective customers. And you may fall into either of those categories. Some sales professionals, however, think, oh, I'm not the one researching the keywords in the SEO and I'm not executing campaigns. So what do I have to do with digital selling? Why should I bother? Well, to all you salespeople out there, think again. Digital marketers are in charge of driving brand awareness, very important, and lead generation through all of the channels, including free and paid. So we have three experts. They've been on this show many times over the years, and now we've got them together. This may be the first time we've had all three of you together. We have Kirsten Boyleau at SAP. Welcome, Kirsten. We have Perry Van Beek at Social.One. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And we have Bernie Borges at Van Gresso for their insights on sales in a digital age. Sell more by understanding digital marketing. There you go. And I am Bonnie D. Graham. Very happy to be here. To our listeners around the world, I have the pleasure and the privilege of seeing my guests, seeing how they think, how they speak. Are they moving around? Some guests like to wear a headset and walk around the room. Do they talk with their hands? How? And I can tell when they're ready to stop instead of listening on the phone as we did all these years. So this is really a lot more fun. Kirsten Boyleau, this is your series. I have to always say thank you, Kirsten, for having faith in Game Changers because you just keep coming back year after year and you work with, with AJ at SAP and come up with great topic. So Kirsten, welcome. And just in case, I'm guessing there might be 2.3 people around the world who don't know who you are. So (laughs) speak to them and tell them what you've been up to and what's your passion for the topic of digital marketing. Kirsten, welcome. Thank you very much, Bonnie. And hello to my fellow uh, panelists. I know both of you quite well. Great to be on the show with you. Um, I am at SAP still and uh, still working in the space of enablement around digital. So I'm uh, doing our digital selling enablement, um, doing all the training and that for our sales organization at SAP globally, as well as I'm also responsible for upskilling our entire marketing organization on digital marketing. Um, so for me, this topic really brings these two pieces together. It, it The two pieces of my world uh, in my job come together around digital marketing and digital selling. Uh, it just makes uh, so much sense to bring them together into this topic. So I'm happy to talk about it. 
Thank you, Kirsten. Is this an exciting time for digital marketers, Kirsten? Is this a use it or lose it, learn it or not going to speak? Oh, be absolutely. There? I mean, we've been thrust into this, you know, you know, you don't have a choice. You can't do physical events anymore and you have to do um, digital marketing. And, and you know, it, a lot of marketers are struggling to get their hands and heads wrapped around those concepts, what needs to change, how to do things differently, what platforms they use, how to, to, you know, the tools they need to use, all of those kinds of things. There's lots and lots they need to learn. Thank you very much. Exciting topic as always. Let's go around the table. Perry Van Beek, it's been such a long time. And I have to tell everybody, Perry is sitting against a blue brick wall. I have never quite seen them. And the blue might match the frame on the glasses of our third panelist who likes to wear blue. Uh, we'll, we'll find out when we get to Bernie in a minute. Perry, welcome back. And Perry, please introduce yourself. There might be 3.2 people who don't know who you are because you're so globally known. Perry, talk to those people and also tell us your passion for the topic. Please go ahead, Perry. Okay. Thanks for, for having me on the show again, Bonnie. And of course, Kirsten, it's, it's, a, it's an honor and a pr privilege to be on the show, especially with, with Bernie. I mean, really, uh, you know, Bernie and I, we also go way back on LinkedIn and, you know, uh, so much respect uh, for, for Bernie as well. So really, really very great to be on the show. Now, my... I started with, in 2007, I started my own business um, and, and uh, I quickly spiraled out of control when I didn't have any clients. And then I discovered that using LinkedIn, I could find clients. And that was in the early days. And well, you know, one thing led to another. And uh, in 2009, I, I turned it into a business. And well, I've trained more than 10,000 people worldwide now. So uh, I've written a book, LinkedIn Sales Navigator for Dummies, and it's just... And there's no looking back, really. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> very, very interesting, Perry. I'm finding, interestingly enough, whereas I used to tweet a lot with the live shows before I had to manage the Zoom and, and uh, the camera and all of that, I find that most of the promotions for our radio shows are on LinkedIn these days. I get notes from LinkedIn. I get notifications. So-and-so commented on a show that mentioned me. Mm. And somebody has either my first connection or, or a somewhere down the line separation. And I'm fascinated that these notifications that promote the radio show, whether it's the guest, the topic, something about it with commentary, they last for weeks. Yes. Whereas with a tweet, it's like, exactly. where'd it go? Where'd it go? Oh, 5,000 tweets just came in on LinkedIn. Yeah. There is longevity to these posts. And it could be three weeks after a show and I'm still getting so-and-so commented on a show that mentioned you. I have not been accustomed to this. So- mm. There's, there's gold in our hills. We know there's that. There's power in that. And there's gold in that. Absolutely true. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Nice to see you. Bernie Borges, what color are your glasses frames? And Bernie, there might be 2.4 people who don't know you. So you're up. Talk, talk to us. Welcome. Well, thank you, Bonnie. Uh, great to be back here. Please say hi to AJ for me. I'm, a, I'm an AJ fan. Uh, Perry, awesome to be here with you again. And Kirsten, uh, likewise. It's been too long. Um, so, you know, my passion for this topic is actually multifaceted. I started my career in sales, sold software for about 10 years. Then I fell into a marketing role kind of by accident. I was invited by the marketing team to come into the marketing department to kind of add a sales lens to everything that they were doing. And I never looked back. I just stayed on the marketing career path, eventually started my own marketing agency. And Perry, like you, struggled with getting clients in the beginning, but eventually it came together. And then fast forward 15 years into my business, and I, I came together with my co-founders, Mari Martinez, Kurt Shaver, uh, and Vivica Von Rosen, and we started uh, Vengresso. 
And the interesting thing, uh, we're a digital sales training company, so I should should say that. Uh, the interesting thing about this topic is that I think it's a challenging time for digital marketers because they have to do what they do better than ever before, and they have to break through a lot of noise. And they're competing with with people's very limited, um, you know, capacity to just consume everything that's thrown at them. And then likewise, I think it's a challenging time to be in sales because they have to be, get this, digital marketers, right? Now, maybe I'll leave it there and come back to that as our conversation evolves. All good points, Bernie. Thank you very much for that. Yes, and and these are interesting times. As I was telling to, to my audience, I'm speaking right now, as I was telling my panelists before we went on the air, I said, you have to be very engaging when you introduce yourself because right now, this is, we're live, this is Tuesday, August 25th, OMG, where the year go? Can't go fast enough as far as I'm concerned. And it's 10, 11 in the morning, East Coast time in the US. Well, right now, while we're speaking, there might be 10 or 15 or 20 podcasts that are live somewhere, right, Kirsten? I'm, I get notices all the time. Bob Smith is live and George George Jones is live. And, and there is so much competition, Bernie, the noise, and there's so much, it's not bad noise, all of it. It might all be good noise, but where do you put your attention if we're all living digitally, living remotely, and salespeople are trying to engage remotely? How do you go above the fray and the noise and the clutter and the chatter and get their attention? Well, one way is not only to go live, but to record it and tell people it's available on demand. And that's one of the tricks that we do on radio is everything's recorded and then we make it available a few hours later. So my point is that yes, digital marketing, it's here and now is the time to learn it and do it very, very well. And now is the time in the show when we're going to go to the opening quotes. I have asked, if in case you're new to Game Changers on all the shows, I ask my panelists in advance to pick a quote that's really nothing to do with the topic from a book, a movie, a song, a person famous, a person about to be famous because they're mentioned on the show. And then they're going to relate the quote to our topic in their own words. So Kirsten is up first. Kirsten sent us an interesting quote from Booker T. Washington. This is from 1900 and from his autobiography or a biography, The Story of My Life and Work. Let me give a little background here, Kirsten, but I won't belabor it. He was one of the most influential African-American leaders of the late 19th and early 20th centuries. What's interesting about this book is it was ghostwritten by a young journalist named Edgar Weber. Well, when, when uh, Booker T. Washington got back from his tour of whatever he was doing or teaching, he looked at the book and he said, what? That's not accurate. That's got a bunch of stuff in it that's not about me. I don't like it. So he rewrote it again. And he said to his publisher, sell this first volume to a bunch of people who might enjoy it, who might not really be that literate, that literary, because they won't know all the all the CRAP in the story because it's not really my story. Well, the book was a wild success and it sold 75,000 copies in the first four years. We're talking 1901, no digital oh marketing, no sell. I know. And he was still upset. So he published another version of it and another version. And finally, he got a version that he liked. So talk about wanting to get it right. Okay, Bonnie, get to the quote already. Kirsten, I I thought that was a fascinating story. Here's the quote. The best way to lift oneself up is to help someone else. Kirsten, what does this have to do with our topic, please? Uh, well, I guess it just is the way that I approach the topic in that from my lens, it's all about enablement and training. And so the, the, the way I 
I kind of approach my day, approach my work life and my personal life is that I try to help others. Um, and the best, so the best way for me to feel good about myself is to help others. And so through the work that I'm doing with digital marketing and digital selling is, you know, helping those people be better, um, more successful, be better at their jobs, um, feel better about themselves. One of the best things that I love about um, what I do is helping someone go through their LinkedIn profile and realize that they can make themselves sound really, really good. And it's, it's all true. It's just the way that you present it. And they come away from those sessions feeling so good about themselves. And I feel so good about the way that I've been able to help them. So that's where, you know, I feel like it relates in that way, in the way that from, through the lens that I um, look at this topic from. Thank you. Isn't that interesting you mentioned that because here we said Booker T. Washington did not like the way his bio presented his life story. It wasn't accurate. And you're helping people bring out the parts that the world needs to know about them that are true about them that maybe mm -hmm. they didn't know how to present in the right light. And that, that's a very important service, Kirsten. We know that. A bio, you, you, you wouldn't believe some of the bios I get for the radio shows. It just, <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. Most people, 80% of people who send a bio for a radio show, this is true, don't put their last name in their bio. About 40% don't put their company and about 20% well, maybe 80% don't put their title. You, it just, it's a storytelling about their first name. <laughs> and I get these bios. I'm like, it's, oh, Bob is. Well, isn't that nice? If I get five Bob bios that day. Oh. And, and another bugaboo, I'll tell you something. And this has to do with, with digital communications. And I hope nobody gets offended. But most people don't put their name on their profile photo. And they send a photo that says my picture or image or December 21st, 2019. And I have no idea whose picture it is. So my message to the world is in digital marketing, we're all marketing something. You're selling yourself, you're selling a product, a service. Label your material so people know it's you, it's your brand. I'm getting off my soapbox. Thank you, Kirsten. See, I just helped somebody. I think I just absolutely. So I'm living the dream of that quote. Thank you very much. Perry Van Beek, she's saying, when is she going to get to my quote? Perry sent a quote that is adorable. It's short. It's cute. And I researched it, Perry, and it is all over the place back from 1957, 1976, 2009. It's in books. It's on t-shirts. And let me read the German version, which will completely perplex everybody. And then I'll read the English version. So the German saying is, das Leben ist zu kurz, um schlechten Wein zu trinken. I hope I didn't murder that too badly. And the, the American, the English version is life is too short for cheap wine. We're just going to leave. There's also a version life is too short to stuff a mushroom and life is too short for fake butter cheese or fake people. And there's also a book by Simon Hogarth from 2009, who was a wine correspondent of the UK Spectator magazine. And it's titled life's too short to drink bad wines, 100 wines for the discerning drinker. So now that I have completely gone afield on your quote, Perry, what does life is too short for cheap wine have to do with digital marketing? Rescue me, please, Perry Van Beek. <laughs> First of all, compliments on your German. I speak German fluently and uh, not bad. I mean, Thank you. Quite, quite impressed. So, Thank uh, you. Uh, <laughs> you no can get away say. with that in Germany. So that's <laughs> okay. Now, uh, what does it have to do with, well, well with life in general? You know, um, uh, it's, it's, if you, uh, if you treat life um, as if it's li like cheap wine, what are you going to get out of it? You know, if, if I, every day, I work hard every day. And when I come home, I celebrate that. If I didn't get any results, I still celebrate. 
you know, and that's it's adding value. I, I, I share so much value. I have clients asking me questions, you know, and that's what it's all about. It's adding value, value, value. And that's that for me, that's uh, that's expensive wine. You, you're, you're just sharing your wine and, and sharing it with your friends, with everybody that you know, sharing. Just, it, that's, that's what it's all about. Now, um, I really want to add to, to what Kirsten says, because that's that's my, you know, that's my life motto. No. Yeah, uh, there used to be, you know, in the you had the famous movie in the '90s, uh, Glen Gary, Glen Ross, which had always be closing, of course. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a big discussion about that on LinkedIn with somebody yesterday who still believes in it should always be closing. And I said, no, I completely disagree. You, in the '90s, it was fine. Now the ABC of of today is always be contributing to the buying journey. Mm. What is your contribution? What's the value that you're adding to the to the to the buying journey? And and only then can you take take it to the next level. So and and the, the term closing, I think it's the wrong term altogether. Anyway, I mean, why? Who wants to be closed as a as a customer? Um, and and second, you don't want to close a relationship. You want to open up a relationship so that it's it's, it's fruitful for both parties in the long run. So you you benefit. You know, you both benefit. Uh, not just once, but over and over and over again. And, you know, when you help a client and, and you open up a relationship with the client, they become your best ambassadors. And if you do that correctly, you'll never have to sell again or close or try to close. So that was, I'm going to say that was brilliant, Perry, that you shouldn't you. ever be closing. You should always be opening relationships. And that's what yeah. it's all about. And I would say, even if you're you're opening the relationship digitally and you pick up a box of cheap wine, I'm sorry, I said it, or a bottle, and they're going to say, what? That's what I mean to them? Cheap wine? Think of how offended, if people know wine, think of how that's offended right. they could be. Yeah. Same thing with booze. It's got to be a good label. We'll leave it there. Thank you. And thank you for your compliment about my German. I'm very appreciative. I worked <laughs> on that one a little, not a lot, but a little bit. Uh, and let's go around to Bernie Borges. Bernie has sent a quote from Abraham Lincoln, 1809 to 1865. His life, of course, was cut short by an assassination at the Ford's Theater in 1865. But Lincoln was an American statesman and lawyer who was the 16th president of the U.S. He is ranked among the greatest U.S. presidents in American history. And here's the quote. I've never heard this quote before, Bernie, and it's a good one. This is Lincoln talking. I'm a success today because I had a friend who believed in me and I didn't have the heart to let him down. <laughs> Bernie, this is, it's a great oh. quote. I don't know if Lincoln really said it, but we love the quote. So Bernie, how does this have to do with digital marketing? Go ahead. So when I saw that quote, Bonnie, it really reminded me of one of my early managers early in my career. And I mentioned during my introduction that I started my career in sales. And um, one of those early sales roles was I was with um, a company that's still around, but not as big as they used to be, and that's Eastman Kodak. Back in the 80s, I'm dating myself a little bit, they were a big company, and and I sold in their business systems division, which was a big division. We sold big ticket items and obviously, you know, business, B2B, not, not commercial or consumer products. And I reported to a sales manager by the name of Barbara Jean, and that was her first name and last name, and she affectionately, affectionately went by BJ. Um, she just made an impact on my career and my life because she sat me down one day and said, Bernie, I believe in you. And when she instilled that trust and faith in me, I couldn't let her down. It, it, it took my confidence level up so high because she, she meant it. And I just couldn't let her down. And that really, really, it gave me the inspiration, the motivation to just not let her down, right? 
Now, that doesn't really directly tie to digital marketing, but it, it really spoke to me when you asked for a quote because that's a personal experience that I had, and it was decades ago, and it, it's, it's been with me ever since then, and I just want to you know, give her the, the credit for that. And, and Bernie, let's broaden it. I think it does apply to the topic because you want to have integrity with your clients, don't you? If you tell them, I'm going to help you with this in your company, in your business, and I promise you I'm going to do this for you, you have to not let them down. I think we can apply it. to. What do you think, Bernie? Can we go with that? Absolutely. And, and again, I said earlier that the, the, the modern seller needs to be a digital marketer, right? So likewise, if you're in sales today, then hopefully you've got a sales manager who's coaching you and is instilling that same level of faith and confidence in you as a seller. And you don't want to let that individual down. So, so absolutely. I think it transcends just everything we do, both professionally and even in our personal lives as well. Yes. So it was a very good quote on the topic, even though you didn't know it until we picked it apart for you. Thank you very much, Bernie. Good quotes, everyone. Thank you for the research. I appreciate that. Now let's go to the round table. We don't take breaks on Game Changers because we have way too much to talk about. So Kirsten has sent us uh, four statements. I'm going to look at your first statement, Kirsten. It's very basic, but I think we need to level set. You know, I like to do that on topics. So let me read a little bit. Then Kirsten will expand it for about two and a half minutes, and then we'll go around the table. And my instructions a request to Perry Van Beek will be agree or disagree with Kirsten. Feel a, feel free to disagree, but if you agree, we want you to raise the bar with your own thought leadership, add something, and Bernie, then I'll come to you, and you can agree or disagree with Kirsten and or with Perry. That's your prerogative because you'll have two of them to talk about, and then we'll go back to Kirsten for her comments, for her reactions, and then I'll pick a statement from Perry, go around the table, continuing in the same order, and then Bernie, and let's see how far we get. So Kirsten told me the following before the show. She said, sellers need to understand digital marketing and marketers need to understand digital selling. Let me stop right there, Kristen, because this is very, very telling on the topic. And I think we know one of the problems is that sales is in their silo. Marketing is in their silo. Will the twain ever meet? How do they get together? How do they communicate? How do they make sure it's end-to-end consistent in terms of how and where and what and to whom they sell? So, Kirsten, uh, talk to us, please. Very interesting topic. All yours. Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of expands on what Bernie was saying earlier that, you know, sellers need to become digital marketers. But I want to take it that step further and say that marketers actually need to become digital sellers as well. It needs to be, they almost need to come together and, and you know, have that one role as a digital digital selling marketer, a digital marketing seller. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a, a digital <laughs> customer engagement. I don't know what the right term would be. Um, <clears throat> but I think there's so many advantages to um, them understanding each other's context for the way that they're engaging with customers. Um, when they when they understand the way that each other operates, um, say a marketer would be much better able to create the programs that match the needs that the sellers are seeing out there in their interactions and their engagements and their, you know, the way that they're listening to their customers, the, the conversations they're having. Um, marketers can better create content to to match those needs, but also the sales team can be able to um, much better amplify the content that that marketing is creating by um, knowing the right channels to put things on, the best way to, um, you know, optimize their content for search engines, you know, all of those kinds of things to be able to um, drive a much better experience ultimately for the customer. Um, there's more opportunity for personalization and customization for the customers um, and ultimately will drive more attention, you know, 
generating more leads and more opportunities and hopefully ultimately more revenue. Kirsten, I have a question for you. I've heard recently the term smarketing. It sounds like smart marketing, but I think it's intended yeah. to be sales marketing, smarketing. Like it, love it, hate it. Should we adopt it? Should we ignore it? Kirsten, what's your thought? Uh, it's been around for a fairly long time. Um, I know Nick Robinson, who's been on the show, has uh, talked about smarketing for a while. There is someone, I forget what his name is, but he kind of, I think he kind of coined the term, maybe um, uh, Bernie or Perry know who that is. I can't remember what his name is. Um, but he does smarketing or talks about smarketing. And I, I, I don't think it's caught on. <laughs> it's a bit... Um, <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, it just it doesn't roll off the tongue all that well. Um, and I don't think it really t speaks to what we're trying th to do. Uh, I don't think actually marketing and sales actually speaks that term marketing or the term sales speaks to what we're trying to do either <clears throat> um, when we're trying to engage our customers. I think customer engagement um, speaks to that exactly what we're trying to do. Thank you. Perry Van Beek, you're up. React to what Kirsten said, please agree or disagree or anything in between. It's all yours. Right, Go ahead. I couldn't agree more. Um, it's um, and it's 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 in line with one of my statements, which I can already use it. I'm well, I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> one of my statements was basically, you know, um, uh, well, I was speaking for for Harvard Business Review two two years ago, and at an event when we still had live events, which was nice. But um, so, and yeah. I, I asked a question to the crowd. I said, "Listen, all right. So, if sales and marketing compete." Who wins? You know, who thinks sales win? And, and then who thinks marketing wins? And then most people thought sales win. I said, well, you know, you know who wins? I said, the competition. Because mm. if they compete, you know, you're going to lose. But that's it, you know. If you don't start working together, uh, and, and you still see, I still see it a lot, uh, happening a lot, where the, the marketing department and the sales department are just in, in not, not quite in different buildings, but different floors and everything. And they're not communicating. And I just don't, don't understand that. So, and the more you see that now moving, toward, moving together with, with sales and marketing directors, uh, you know, uh, as a director of sales and marketing, rather than a director of sales and a director of marketing who have, you know, their own. Th so one person responsible for both. And I think that's a really good development. I think that's a, that's a very positive development. So I, uh, I, I couldn't agree more with that statement. Thank you. Good addition of thought leadership. Bernie Borges, join us. What do you think? Agree or disagree with either or both? Up to you. Yeah, so far, completely aligned. Absolutely. I'm also not a um, fan of smarketing. Uh, <laughs> right here, it's been around for quite a while. It's never caught on, probably for a lot of reasons. Yep. Uh, you know, I mentioned during my introduction that I used to be in sales, and I, I mentioned that I fell into marketing kind of by accident. I was actually invited by the marketing team to come in because of my sales experience. And then when I stayed on, on the marketing journey, I always had that sales lens with me with everything that I did. And here's something that you may not know. As of July 1st, I'm in a new role of Ingresso. I'm now the chief customer officer. Oh. So it's a totally new role. And the reason I bring that up is because I'm bringing that lens of we've got to deliver to the customer, not only what we promised them, but a great experience and so that, A, they'll tell other people about it because referrals are the best source of, of new leads. B, they'll want to do more work with us and they'll grow their footprint with us, right? Mm -hmm. So all of that just feeds all together. So this whole marketing and sales alignment thing, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a struggle for a lot of years. But even back to the same point of 
the modern seller needs to be thinking like a marketer. The, the marketer needs to attract a marketplace to them, right? A target audience. The seller needs to attract individuals to them. And they have to be thinking like a marketer to do that, right? And, you know, Perry and also Kirsten, to your point about being on LinkedIn and being attractive. We use that phrase, attractive. Like, you want to be attractive. And, of course, we don't mean appearance. We mean through your content, through your conversation, through the way you contribute, to, to your point. Perry, right? All of that is being attractive to the buyer. And the number one factor, and this is LinkedIn on their state of sales 2020 report, the number one factor buyers are looking for is trust. They need to have an element of trust from the sales professionals that they work with. And they're going to make a judgment call even before they have a human to human conversation, just by observing the behavior of a salesperson on social, specifically LinkedIn when it's B2B selling. Thank you. Kirsten, that was a good kickoff topic for our roundtable part of the show. Thank you very much. Kirsten, anything you want to say back or add to Perry or Bernie? No, I think they both touched on great aspects of that original statement, you know, around, I love what um, Bernie had to say around trust. I think being authentic is one of the best things you can do to to build trust. Uh, And I think the best way that that sellers can be um, uh, you know, uh, authentic is really to to make sure that the content that they're sharing is relevant and educational and um, helpful to their customers. And the only way they can do that is to have marketing on the same side as them, to Perry's point, and make sure that they're all working together to drive that best in, uh, experience for the customer. Thank you. Let's move on. Perry, I'm looking at your statement number two. I'm going to read a little bit. This is interesting. This is about the people side of what we're talking about. You say the biggest objection from salespeople to embracing digital marketing is that they lack the time. Oh, no. Is it true? Perry, talk to us, please. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the first objection I always hear. You know, I, I'd love to do more with LinkedIn, but I just don't have the time with it. So, and I, and I start the conversation. So, so, okay, so what are you doing right now? And they'll, they'll, they'll show me all these things that they're doing, all these tools that they're using. And I say, okay, so how much time are you spending on that? Yeah, about three, four, five hours a day on that. So, wow. And, and how's that working for you? Well, not really well. That's why we're talking, right? So, um, so, 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 so don't tell me that you don't have the time if what you're doing right now is, is not bringing you the results. Um, so my, my argument is always that if you, use, if you use a tool, if you go for a tool, don't, don't go for eight tools at once. As a company, sure. But as, a, as an individual, don't try to embrace five, six, seven, eight tools right away. You know? If you're going to go for LinkedIn, go for LinkedIn. Don't adopt Twitter and, and Instagram and, and, and all kinds of other platforms right away. You know, focus on one optimize it, perfect it, and then maybe grow into another platform. You know, use tools, of course. But um, So what I notice is that if people start to use a platform correctly, um, they actually save time. If, if, for example, Sales Navigator. If you use Sales Navigator correctly, you're, you're, if you do it well, you, you can easily save 30 minutes a day in your acquisition time. That's 20 hours, you know, uh, that, so that, sorry, that's 10 hours a month uh, that you have extra. Uh, to talk to customers, to talk to prospects. You know, how valuable is that? So, so that's my, my, my argument on that. Thank you. I was sipping water when you were finishing. I appreciate that. Bernie, join us. Thoughts about saving time, using time well, time management. Bernie, what do you think? 
So time is, you know, what we all have the least of. And if you're in sales, you, you, you need to optimize it. Um, the challenge is that sellers are under pressure to make a lot of contacts. And unfortunately, there's this big confusion between quantity and effectiveness. So that's where all these things have to come together through leadership, providing the, the right tools, but also the right training, the right coaching, the right helping them with the right mindset so that their time is well spent. Too often, and I know everyone on this, on this Zoom call can uh, relate to this, too often salespeople make an irrelevant touch point. And, you know, they haven't done any homework because they're all about the volume play, mm -hmm. right? And unfortunately, and I know I'm going to be slamming a whole industry here without naming individual brand names, but there's so many tools that provide the sales cadence capability to deliver on that volume that in many cases it's doing a disservice to the salesperson. They think they're getting the maximum use of their time because they're, they're cranking out 50 or 100 emails a day and then it's automatically following up three days later, right? But all it's doing is filling my inbox and you're annoying me. You're not doing anything to deliver value. So it's, it's, it's that fine balance of you've got to make good use of your time, but you've got to be delivering value as well. And so there's no substitute for authentic work. You know, Kirsten used the word authentic. I totally agree. And that's the way you build trust. So do it, taking that extra minute or two to just look at someone's LinkedIn profile so that you can customize your message. Does that mean you go from 50 messages a day to maybe 20 or 30? Maybe so. You've got to figure that out in your own cadence. But in the end, you want to be more effective, not just more voluminous in your activity. Thank you. Bernie, before I go around to Kirsten Esker to comment, you mentioned irrelevant touch points. You might make an irrelevant touch point. Can you define that? Is that just noise? Is that talking to the wrong person? Is that reaching out with a message that doesn't matter to them? Or how would you define that so people in our audience will know what you mean? Yeah, by irrelevant, what I mean is that, uh, I mean, I've been on the receiving end of mm -hmm. messages from people selling a service that just don't fit our industry, it's, it's irrelevant. I, I'm, I'm never going to buy janitorial services or whatever the case may be. So just doing your homework to know who your target audience is and know what the message is, should be that's relevant to that target buyer so that you're not wasting your time and their time and, and annoying people along the way. Thank you. I thought so. I think we all get those messages of things we never have expressed an interest in. We've never clicked on any ads for that. We've never gone in databases. We don't know who the people are. And it just, you're right, it just fills up with garbage. Thank you. Kirsten, join us. What do you think about Perry's point and or what Bernie just said? Go ahead. Yeah, I, of course, I look at it through the, the lens of, of training and enablement. And I think it's so important to think through uh, that lack of time. I mean, that's that's a pushback that I get all the time when I, you know, I'm either approached by a team that they say, well, we want training for digital selling. We want training for digital marketing. And then I say, okay, well, here's the program we have to offer. And they're like, but I don't have time. <laughs> well, then you're kind of at a loss. Like, I don't know what to say to you. Um, you don't, you want to be better at what you do, but you're not willing to invest the time in becoming better at what you do. Um, and so I, I usually um, 
try to approach that with, you know, similar to what Perry said that, you know, if you invest the time and you become better at what you do, you're going to save time and ultimately have that time to, to be the leader as he, you know, be that thought leader as Perry was talking about, um, or to, to, you know, drive more deals, have more conversations with customers. If you become better at what you do and you um, invest that time, you become um, more effective, as you know, as Bernie was saying, those things are what makes you better, brings you that time. And, and then, you know, I try to tell, talk to the people with around, well, stories. Storytelling is really something that I can use. Um, and I think it's something that a salesperson can use and a marketer can use to, to drive that customer engagement. For me, it's an internal customer, but it could be an external customer where, you know, these are the stories that we've, these are the success stories that have come out of, you know, by participating in this training or by participating in this way of operating, this is the kind of success that you can expect. Um, and I think that's a really... Um, it's probably the best way to to get people to uh, to think differently about the way they're going about their business. That was an interesting point to get people to think differently about the way they're going about their business. One of you mentioned part of the role of a marketer is to educate. I think you might have been the one, Kirsten. So getting to open their eyes and saying maybe it isn't just the way you've already done it. Maybe you don't think that wheel is broken or squeaky and doesn't need any oil, but maybe there's a better way to look at it. Isn't that a consult- consultative role, Kirsten, where somebody... Oh, absolutely, can- yeah. So if- Yeah, and I think we've been talking a while now for a few years about how sales needs to transform. I have, In fact, I remember back in 2015 um, talking... Uh, I think it was on a blog or maybe on this radio program um, about how there was a, I think it was a Forrester report saying that by 2020 sales reps were going to have to become consultative. Um, So yeah, we're absolutely moving in that direction that it's not about that aggressive hard sell. It is about understanding your customers so that you can offer them the best option for their business. Thank you. And there's probably a fine line between a pushy seller and marketer and a consultative slash business coach who can help you look at things from a different lens or a different perspective, right? I've got this product and you need it and you didn't know you needed it. Oh, I think that line's line's pretty wide. I don't think it's very fine. (laughs) Okay. Okay, good. Well, they need to know how to do that, how to to navigate that. Exactly. Yeah. Gary, anything you want to say on that topic before I I move on? I just just want to thank Bernie and then Kirsten for for confirming that because, you know, what, what what they said is, you know, it has to do with leadership as well. And, and it's true. I notice that sometimes as well with, with you know, certain organizations that you, that you meet and that you, uh, they, 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 they reach out to you and, you know, uh, they have the right leadership and they have the, the right mentality to say, okay, you know, we don't, we don't expect our salespeople to, uh, to close the deal every, every day now, you know. So, so we're going to invest in them and train with them, you know. But I meet other organizations where it's very short-term, you know, thinking, and it's uh, so. Uh, so they they said, okay, you know, you need to train, come and train our guys to help us help them with LinkedIn. So, well, okay, I've got a like a, I've got a ten-week program, and uh, they will, ten weeks? No, 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 just one afternoon. I'm like, <laughs> what, you know, what? what are you going to expect? You know, I'm 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 going to be I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up. What, what the way what I call show up and throw up because basically what I'll do <laughs> is I'll. I'll spew all of my information over them and then you know i'll send, send them home and then you know and and you know they're going to be left with this much they're going to remember this much uh whereas you know if you if you take them by the hand and go step by step that's where you learn something i mean who went to school and learned everything in one day or one week that didn't happen 
So, you know, you, you, it, it took time, you know. So, so you need to learn that over time. And, and the, with the right leadership, you can, you can actually do that and, and, you know, take people by the hand. With regards to volume, it's true. I mean, volume, it's, that's the expectation. That's the old, old way of thinking, you know. You need to, sh you know, you just shoot for, for, for as many as you can and many touch points, you know, mass email, mass LinkedIn automation tools and things like that. And, you know, and you're not making any authentic connections. So, yeah, so absolutely agree. So Thank thanks you. for that. Oh, a wonderful comment around the table. Thank, and thanks for the topic, Perry. And let's go to Bernie's list of discussion statements. We've picked number four. This is interesting, especially in this time, Bernie, through the lens of COVID, social distancing, everything being digital and remote. And you say modern sellers must be better at digital engagement than face-to-face -face engagement. So true. Bernie, tell us more, please. I should probably insert the word B2B. Modern B2B sellers uh, must mm -hmm. be better at digital engagement than face-to-face -face engagement. Obviously, there's not a whole lot of face-to-face uh, -face engagement going on other than this. But mm -hmm. think about this. Now, we're, we're doing a radio show slash podcast. But you know what? We all agreed to be here, right? So when a seller and a prospective buyer jump on a, a Zoom call or other platform call, video call, that's called synchronous. They've agreed. That prospective buyer agreed to that call. But an asynchronous outreach that's digital, the attempt to get that agreement is a digital engagement touchpoint. And that needs to be, and, and we, we have a term at Vingresso called PVC, kind of like the piping. Mm -hmm. You've got to personalize your digital engagement, always personalize. The, the V stands for value. You need to deliver value. That's probably your C uh, contribute, Perry, synonymous, right? We just use it different because it, right. it fits with PVC a little better. <laughs> <laughs> and then the C stands for call to action. And by the way, the call to action is in many cases not asking for a meeting, but just asking for a thought or a reaction or response or something just to elicit some engagement you know, from that individual. So that ultimately those digital engagement touch points, and I, I read somewhere, yeah, I read so much, sometimes I forget where the source was, but I read somewhere that it takes like 18 touch points to get uh, someone to agree to a meeting. I do remember this data point. Gardner says that B2B buyers only spend 17% of their buying journey actually talking to vendors, and they're going to talk to three vendors. So do the math. That's roughly 6% per vendor. So the digital engagement is all about doing the outreach, personalizing, adding value, adding small calls to actions along the way to eventually get to this synchronous conversation that where they agree to a conversation to talk about what your needs are and how my solutions can help you resolve those needs. So digital engagement in, in, in the modern seller is mission critical. It's not an option. Those skills have to be there. Bernie, is video an important part of that digital engagement? Absolutely. Absolutely. Video. Again, this is a, this is a synchronous video, right? Mm -hmm. So asynchronous video, and we're really big on, on that at Vingresso. You can see the screen behind me, right? That's part of our award ceremony at, at Vingresso. So using something that's visually compelling, delivering a sales message, and by sales message, I mean a value message, right? Through video, uh, asynchronously, where I push it out to someone, and then I can see through the analytics, through the tools, that whether or not they watched it, how long they watched it, if they clicked on attachments, that sort of thing. Absolutely very, very valuable for that modern seller. We consider that also, again, a requisite skill set in modern selling. 
Wanted to bring that up. I thought so. Kirsten, you're sitting virtually next to Bernie around the virtual roundtable. So what do you think about anything or everything that Bernie said? Kirsten, thoughts, please. Oh, I think it's absolutely mission critical, uh, as Bernie said, to to be good at video, but also to be good and engaging in other formats. I mean, um, in the written format that goes out on a digital platform, you can't, um, you know, if you're not a good writer, you're going to have to find some support, you know, have someone help you, have a marketer help you, um, have your spouse help you, (laughs) whatever. have someone uh, support you in that writing phase. Um, maybe it, you know, it's on Instagram. There's some B2B um, where there, you know, a lot of the sellers are on Instagram, and and so how do you make sure that the the pictures that you're you're putting out there are good quality? That they're not just, you know, um, <laughs> as Bonnie put it, CRAP photos. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we spell. <laughs> I can spell too. Um, it's in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, you know, because a good quality photo, you know, whether it's highlighting a product or a service or a customer or, um, you know, a thought, doing some thought leadership, those, uh, that, that visual engagement is really, really important, whether it's in video or another format. I, I think there's some statistics around, you know, that we process visual images 120 times faster than, um, you know, the written word. And so making sure that you're hitting all the senses with that digital engagement as much as possible um, is is also really important. Thank you. And let's go to Perry. Perry ben- Benby, please join us. What do you think? Well, um, I, I love what you're both saying. I mean, uh, one thing though, Bernie, um, you know, you're you're also scaring a lot of sales professionals right now, especially sales professionals are really good in face-to-face meeting, and you're telling them they need to be even better online. You're you're going to be scaring them. So, uh, but I agree with you. I mean, if you if you don't invest in in getting those skills, you know, uh, right now, uh, you're going to be you, you know, the people are going to be overtaking you online like that. And you're going to miss the boat. It's it's as simple as that. You're going to miss the boat. So so definitely. Uh, I still think you also need to invest in um, in in those face-to-face skills, though. And uh, what I notice is that that there's a lot of um, uh, you know a lot of people that when I when I meet somebody and and I've had a great online uh, meeting, great online sessions, and and I finally get to meet them, and and they try to sell me something, and it's a, it's a, it's a really awful meeting. You know that that's gone. So they need to also invest in that that part as well. So, so definitely agree with that. But uh, but yeah, so absolutely. You know those digital skills. If you if you don't invest in that, you know you're going to be losing out. So uh, thank absolutely. you, Bernie. Anything you want to wrap up this very interesting topic you started with us? What do you think? Well, I have to I have to remark on what Perry said about scaring people, and I I like to use this analogy. You know, like when's when's the last time you watched a movie on VHS videotape? Now, we can probably all remember, you know, watching movies VHS, right? And you may even have some. I still have some. But we don't watch movies that way anymore, right? So, likewise, if you're in sales, you, you can't be a VHS salesperson. Now, again, it's a metaphor, right? You have to simply adapt with the current times. The modern buyer has changed. In fact, the modern buyer's gotten better at buying that a lot of sellers have gotten better at selling. So sellers need to get better at selling by being the modern seller that the modern buyer needs by personalizing, adding value, and having small calls to actions that lead to conversations. With regards to VHS, Bernie, 
Yes. My, my 14-year-old daughter, she just bought a record player. Can you, you know? Yep. She, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's yeah. going vinyl. I'm like, wow, this is fantastic. Right. Right. <laughs> Perry, I was just going to say vinyl is making has been making a comeback. I think one of my granddaughters asked for a record player a couple of years ago for her birthday. It's like, I want to play my vinyl. Really? You're 12. Or maybe she was 14. Anyway, very interesting. I have a question for all of you. Uh, we don't usually do this, but I, I want to go around and let's spin the wheel on digital platforms that are appropriate for B2B. That's our focus today. So, Kirsten, I think you mentioned uh, Instagram. We've been talking about LinkedIn, one of the favorite platforms you all believe in and we all know very well and you all train in that. Where should people be? I know the, the saying has always been find out where the people are to whom you want to speak. What are their preferences? So, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, Facebook, oh my, LinkedIn, anything else, I don't know, dare I say TikTok, anywhere they are. So the question is, and we talked about having time, Perry, the digital market is, I don't have the time. And you're saying, yes, you do. Yes, you do. What are you frittering away your time on? So if you were to, just your personal business slash personal preferences, Kirsten, I'll start with you, then Perry, and then Bernie, and quickly, maybe a minute each, because we're almost ready for predictions, but we might not get to those if this goes really well. Kirsten, what would be your top three platforms? you would recommend sales and marketing, digital marketing people, digital sellers invest in intellectually in terms of getting to know the platform. Do they need video content? Do they need print contact? Do they need our PDFs to rage? Do they need images? Do they need a star in their own video? So Kirsten, what are your top three platforms you recommend that modern sellers and marketers Take the time to get to know and see if their target audiences are on those platforms. Kirsten, you're up first. You know, I will go back to that old adage that you do need to figure out where your customers are. Um, and I think it also depends, given that this is a worldwide platform and uh, that we're speaking on today uh, and not solely a North American one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it really depends on what region you're in. Uh, in, in, say, Russia, it is, Facebook is that platform. Um, it is that B2B platform. Uh, in North America, it's probably LinkedIn. Um, in uh, in China, it's going to be something different. It's probably WeChat. Um, and so it really depends on what the location is, uh, the geolocation of your of your um, customers um, to know, you know, probably the first platform to start with. There may be also, it may not be the traditional social platform, Oh, she just froze on us. She just froze on us. She was having problems with it. Perry, why don't you go? All right. Well, the the three platforms, so sorry to interrupt you, uh, Kirsten, but the three platforms I definitely recommend are, you know, they're pretty obvious, you know, but it's it's LinkedIn and then especially Sales Navigator. If you're in sales, uh, if you're in professional sales, B2B sales, and you're not taking, you're not, you don't have uh, Sales Navigator, you're, you're, you're stealing from yourself. Uh, the second one, I mean, as an entrepreneur myself, I'm also massively on Facebook and Instagram, not posting, not not sharing content, not everything. But what I'm doing is I'm using it for advertising. Uh, you know, uh, I have my database there. I have my lists there, my 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 you know, the, the lists of the of all my connect of the people that download all my content, mm-hmm. um, and I use them, of course, and then and then I target them and I target lookalike audiences, and just because you know the people on LinkedIn. Uh, yes, they're there, but they're also on Facebook. They're also on Instagram. So I can also find them there with a different message, of course. But So those are the three platforms that I would recommend to, to folks on if you're an entrepreneur. Thank you. Interesting. Bernie, what do you think? 
So I think Kirsten makes a good point about uh, geo uh, certainly has an impact on how you answer the question. So for me, it's mostly North America. LinkedIn, absolutely number one, again, for the B2B audience that I and our company, Ingresso, wants to reach. LinkedIn and, and parody your point, Sales Navigator, absolutely. Uh, I'm also a fan of Twitter, but a lot of people um, that we want to reach are not active on Twitter. A lot of people that we want to reach are active on Instagram, and that's a recent phenomenon over the last year plus or so. I love the fact that you can follow hashtags on Instagram just like you can on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and Instagram can be a hybrid of both personal and business. So I think there's a good mix there. So LinkedIn, absolutely number one, to some extent Twitter, and then also to a large extent Instagram to kind of have that hybrid of personal and business. Interesting. Kirsten, you're back. You are persistent, and we appreciate that. Can you hear me okay, Kirsten? Can you hear us? I don't think our audio is connected. Kirsten? Nope, not yet. I know Zoom has been having problems for the past 24 hours and, and uh, all around the world, and we're glad we got this far using the platform. Uh, I will see if Kirsten can hear us in a moment. So let's do our crystal ball predictions. We just have two minutes left to the show. She's dropped again, and, and uh, I will say thank you to her at the end. Perry, what do you think? I can give you about 45 seconds. What's your prediction for, let's say, the future of digital marketing slash digital selling between now and if you want to dare to go out to the end of 2025, if you could see that clearly in in the digital crystal ball. What do you think, Bernie? I'm sorry, Perry and then Bernie. Go ahead, Perry. Right. Well, basically, the most important one is that what you will see is that uh, sales will become a uh, much more respected profession because as people are starting to add value, add value, add value to your life, like Bernie said, you know, uh, only 17% of the sales or buyers want to talk to to salespeople, why? Because they're, you know, they're pushing their content on them, and they're not, then they don't want that. But as that's evolving into, into salespeople adding value, uh, you know, they'll be more and more welcome, and and sales will become a very honorable profession, and it'll lose the sort of sleaziness it's, you know, it, it's had uh, sort of over the years. So, uh, and I, I'm seeing that transition already now. So, uh, so that's my prediction for the future, 2025. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Kirsten, I know you can hear us because you're nodding at what Perry said. Kirsten, you want to give us a very brief, like a 30-second prediction? You're up. Go ahead. Yeah, I think I'm really hoping, I don't know if I think this, but I'm really hoping that sales and marketing continue to come closer and closer together, that it becomes, and I know of at least one organization where she got rid of her sales and marketing um, departments and brought them together into one customer engagement uh, team. And I think, you know, I'd like to see more and more of that happen across um, all the businesses. Thank you. Bernie, one sentence prediction. Go fast. Vite, vite, as they say in French. Bernie? Sales professionals are converging across all demographics. Doesn't matter whether you've been selling 30 years or two years. They're all becoming digital because they have to. Mmm, the writing is on the digital selling and marketing wall. There we go. Thank you to the three of you. Kirsten, thank you for braving. Uh, I know Zoom has had a lot of outages in the past 24, 36 hours all over the world, actually. So we did pretty darn well here today. I want to thank AJ. We affectionately call him AJ. He's Arif Johari at SAP for putting this together. He does such a wonderful job, Kirsten, so diligent. And Kirsten, again, thank you for sponsoring the show. And Aaron Keller at World Talk Radio, the business channel, our engineer extraordinaire who keeps us 
us going on the show and on the air. And here we go. I want to do my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Well, my car is getting two months to the gallon. How's yours doing on fuel consumption? <laughs> we won't go there. Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Kirsten Boyleau at SAP. Wonderful to see you, Kirsten. Really, really wonderful. Hey, Don't we love Zoom? Perry Van Beek at social.one. Thank you, Perry. We love the blue wall. And Bernie Borges at Vingresso. Say hi to everybody. Everybody wave goodbye. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.